Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. I am joined by Nick Biasini, fresh off of Black Hat. Thanks for coming on, Nick. Thanks for having me, John. So today we're going to be talking about small-time cybercrime. And this is a blog post that you wrote, actually, that went up the week of Black Hat, kind of talking about how small-time criminals, you know, just the, the folks that you would expect to hear about doing robberies or stealing somebody's wallet or whatever, kind of getting into the cybercrime space now because it's a little bit more accessible. So I want to start by asking you about kind of what spurred you to think about this topic. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you in your research or any trends or things like that that stuck out to you that was like, hey, I actually think that this is something we need to be paying more attention to? Well, it's actually kind of interesting. I stumbled across a random news article that was talking about uh, street crime and their tie-ins to cybercrime. And then I stumbled upon uh, a segment that was done on a TV show on Vice called Black Market, where they went and talked to a bunch of street criminals and kind of got a better understanding of how they're operating in cyberspace. So that kind of led me in to be like, well, I wonder if there's data that backs this up. And that's kind of where the research came in was me kind of trying to see, okay, I see this anecdotally, but is there hard evidence to kind of back up the data? And what we found was, was pretty uh, stark, honestly. Yeah. So the, the point that you're making in this post is that it's easier for people to carry out cyber attacks and, and scams like, you know, email spam, that kind of stuff than ever before. What, what are some of the contributing factors to that? There's, there's a lot of things that play into that role. Um, one of them is is the availability and familiarity with cryptocurrencies. Uh, that a lo- opened up a lot of doors for a lot of criminals to be able to buy things that they previously may not have had access to. So being able to go into a local convenience store, pick up some Bitcoin and be able to go onto the dark web and buy PII or credit card information wasn't necessarily something that was widely available previously. Uh, additionally, the pandemic happened. Uh, and you had a lot of people looking for new ways to monetize. And criminals are not unlike any other person who does a job, just their job is to commit crimes. They're always going to look for ways to make more money and do it in a less risky way. And honestly, doing cybercrime is a lot less risky than doing more traditional things like drug crime or violent crime. Can you summarize what the findings were that you had, like what the data showed? I'm going to be linking to the post, obviously, in the show notes, and it has a lot of cool visuals and data in there but in general we pretty much just found that like hey some of these small-time criminals are actually taking up online-based scams now yeah there's actually a lot of data out there they've been talking about this for about a decade that we've seen more and more people moving into this space Uh, the the data that we used for backing for this was primarily out of the mypd Uh, you don't have a lot of police departments exposing a lot of arrest data but mypd is actually very good at it So we were able to do a lot of trending data for things like uh, drug crime arrests and felonies over time to kind of compare and see how those numbers have dropped. Additionally, we pulled from the FBI's Internet Crime Consortium, IC3. Uh, They have a lot of fraud complaint data. And what we saw there was actually pretty stark. Between 2019 and 2020, there was like a 60% increase in fraud complaints. That's a pretty stark indication that the pandemic played a role in the amount of fraud. And we see that even more in one of the most popular forms of fraud that we're seeing, which is unemployment fraud. 
That is a, a fraud crime that has largely been born out of the pandemic because they removed a lot of the in-person requirements and made the application process a lot easier, which has allowed criminals that do things like steal personally identifiable information to make very large amounts of money out of fraud posing as unemployment benefits. Yeah. So in that particular case, at least, that's pretty much when people send like an email saying, hey, you're eligible for a couple hundred bucks of benefits, right? And like, is that kind of the end game in that particular case is trying to get people to click on a link? Not even that. This is just, I bought a bunch of personally identifiable information off the internet or I stole it from people. I'm going to go, I know which state they live in. I'm going to go sign them up for unemployment benefits. That's even scarier than I thought then. Yep. Yeah, it's not. This is, this is like tax return fraud, that type of thing. Like this is just individuals signing you up for unemployment benefits in the state that you live in and then getting the checks sent to them. So by nature, the, these crimes are, are harder to track for law enforcement. It's not like when there's somebody robs you in person, you know, there's going to be, you might be able to provide a description of what the suspect physically looks like or what direction they might have gone in or what car they were driving. And it's not so easy in, in these particular cases of cybercrime. So what are some advice that we can provide to law enforcement agencies who might have to deal with this because they're not necessarily, you know, they are equipped to fight the quote-unquote traditional forms of crime that we might think of, but not necessarily in this form. Yeah, so there's a couple of things there. Um, one of the things is cybercrime is something that is typically gets the attention of larger law enforcement agencies, like federal or state-level law enforcement agencies. But in order for them to get that level of attention, there has to has to reach a certain level. And usually that's tied to monetary value. What we find with these smaller time cyber criminals is they're doing much, much smaller denomination crimes that likely would end up as the responsibility of local law enforcement. Local law enforcement has a lot on their plate. I mean, they have to handle already drug and violent crime, adding cyber crime, which is a drastically different animal than, than violent crime or drug crime would be, is a difficult task. And being able to maintain that ability to, to still police drug crime and violent crime while being successful at operating in the cybercrime space is a unique challenge. The things that we see law enforcement doing is looking for people in the organization or in law enforcement that already have that experience, or additionally looking to high schools and, and colleges to try and build the relationships that you need to recruit that kind of talent. The other challenge that they face is unfortunately Security professionals are very highly in demand and very highly paid. These are two things that are very difficult for local law enforcement academies to be able to, to compete with. So it, that really does drive home the point of looking in your own community, looking at the officers that are already working there, or even people that aren't working as officers, but are already have that innate ability to understand cybercrime and to kind of dig into the molehills that you need to dig into, that's really where law enforcement needs to focus. All right. Awesome. Well, is there anything else I missed on this topic, Nick, that you want to add or any other major points from the, the post that you want to drive home? Uh, the biggest thing is this is getting more and more popular and the popularity of it is going to continue to rise. Uh, this is an extremely lucrative area where you can make a lot of money with a very low risk compared to other forms of crime. This is definitely something to watch and something that is going to affect those around you likely in the next six months to a year. 
All right, awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time, Nick. Uh, I know you're busy coming back from Hacker Summer Camp, but thanks for coming on as always. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, John.